How's everybody doing today? There we go. Hey, we want to we want to start a little bit differently this morning. I know you guys are coming in and getting settled in, but uh, hopefully you noticed out in the foyer boxes that look just like these. It is Operation Christmas Child shoebox time. So please pick up one of these if you have not already, or pick up ten of them. They are due back in two weeks, a little bit sooner this year, November thirteenth. The instructions. The labels are inside the box, so check those out. Or if they're not inside the box, the labels should be out there. Also, just want to remind you that we have had ladies, and maybe some men, I don't want to exclude you if you did it, but ladies who have made some of these bags throughout the past year. And each box will get one of these bags that have been made um, by some incredible, wonderful hands here at Northside. So that's a special gift. Um, this morning we have a brief, like a minute and a half video about the shoe boxes. Um, and then after that, we will sing together. So check out this video. Technical In difference. a very tangible way. Tangible. You're making it possible for them to hear about the greatest gift of all, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So, whether you're packing one shoebox as a family or throwing a party to pack hundreds of shoeboxes as a group, here are some practical tips to make sure each gift is packed with love and care. A good shoebox starts with a high-quality wow item, like a soccer ball and a pump, a stuffed animal or a doll. It's that one special toy that will really make their eyes light up. Then, surround that wow item with other quality toys that a child would love. Items like musical instruments, finger puzzles, Toy cars all make a shoebox gift special. Next is school supplies and personal care items. Many children don't have access to combs, toothbrushes, or school supplies like pencils or crayons and notebooks. So while we like to talk about making the box fun, adding some of these items can make a shoebox even more practical. While anonymous gifts are nice, knowing who sent them can make a gift extra special. That's why a personal message or a photo from you. They really do. Your personal note tells that child that they are important to you and to God. They will cherish your photos and letters for years to come. And to wrap it all up, pray over your shoebox. Every shoebox gift is a unique gospel opportunity, so pray that your shoebox arrives in the hands of the right child. And pray that God will use your shoebox gift and the gospel message to help that child become a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ. Every single shoebox is important because every single child is important. So I hope you find these tips useful. Please do all you can to build unique and special shoebox gifts because together we are using those gifts to reach the unreached and to expand the kingdom of God. Now it's time to get packing because it's never too early. Well, good morning. If you'll please stand with us. <clears throat> Let's worship together.
God is able, He will never fail. He is Almighty God, greater than all we seek, greater than all we ask. He has done great things, lifted up, He defeated the grave, raised to life.
destined to die, poured out for all mankind. God's only Son, perfect and spotless one. He never sinned, but suffered as if he did. All authority, every victory, Jesus, awesome. 
you thankful this morning for a savior who overcame amen amen well good morning welcome to Northside. we are thankful that you're here take a moment welcome those around you All right, you may return to your seats and you may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We are so thankful that you are here. It's, uh, it's an exciting day this morning in the life of our church. Uh, we already got started off to a great start. We had 16 people in our new members class this morning. 16 people. So praise the Lord. Right after the service, we're providing you a lunch, right? So you get to eat. So please don't leave. Stick around for lunch. You'll hear more about that, I'm sure. And then tonight, we have our fall festival. This is key, rain or shine. We are having the fall festival. Um, if it's raining, um, I, I don't know if that will keep some others away, but I just want to encourage you as a church family just to come. There's going to be chili. There's going to be hot dogs. There's going to be games to play. There's going to be bingo, right? I know some of you love bingo. It gets intense. So, so just come. You don't have to be outside. Uh, even if it's not raining, you can come inside where it'll be nice and warm and just hang out. So I mean, you're going to miss a great time. So be here for that. All the details are there in uh, the bulletin. But there's a lot of announcements, a lot of announcements. And so please, please pay attention um, to those 
Uh, before we go over one of those, let me just again welcome you. If this is your first time with us, we are so thankful that you are here today. Uh, we would appreciate it if you would let us know. You can do that by scanning a QR code in the bulletin or there's a connection card that you can fill out um, out there in the foyer. Um, so one thing that's not in the bulletin that will be in the bulletin next week um, is next Sunday, right after the service, we are going to have a brief informational meeting about some of our different mission partners and opportunities for you. So out in the foyer, right after the service, Mark is going to be out there with the sign-up sheet. So while you are waiting in line to get some um, Mexican food, uh, tacos, right, just take a moment and sign up for that. You're not committing, but there's a couple different things you can say, hey, I'm interested in this. You've heard about some of our Ecuador partnerships this morning, in just a moment, you're going to hear from Brian about a mission trip that he went on and another partnership, um, another opportunity that we may do some mission trips with if maybe this is more of what you're interested in and your gifts and your talents and abilities. And so Mark will be out there. You can sign up, and then that meeting will be right after church next week, after the morning worship service. It won't be long um, but we just want to be able to give you some more information about these trips, when we may start taking them, so you can be praying um, for that. Um, and with that said, Brian, where is Brian? Oh my, oh my goodness, threw me off. That's the last place I looked. So, uh, so Brian went on a mission trip, what, a couple weeks ago maybe? So he's going to share a little bit about that this morning and his, the opportunity there. Well, good morning, uh, and thank you. I'm going to share uh, kind of about two different trips, so hopefully I don't get it. Uh, confused because I went on the same trip for, for two years, but I'll try to ex explain that as I go. There's a lot to share. Hopefully this isn't not, uh, you know, this is uh, concise, but I'll answer questions, you know, afterwards uh, as fit. But um, so last year on May 25th, uh, 2001, I received uh, the following text. I know it's late planning, but do you want to go on a mission trip with me to Juarez, Mexico, July 12th through the 16th to build a house? It's all paid for except to get there. So far, I'm only one out of 15 spots taken. Have to have a valid passport. We'll meet in El Paso July 11th. Now, this was a text from an individual who I'd really only met one time. Uh, he lived several states away. I won't tell the whole story, but uh, to say I knew him was a bit of a stretch. Um, <laughs> So it was literally out of nowhere, uh, and I was um, talking with Alexa this morning. There was something else that happened on that day that I can't remember exactly what it was, but somehow on that same day in my, in my text feed on my phone, I had a Hillsong song that was in Spanish. I can't remember what it was, but it seemed a little too uh, coincidental. I was just like, what is going on here? Why did somebody invite me in like less than like a month and a half? to go to Juarez, Mexico uh, to build a house. Uh, so it didn't make any sense. It seemed crazy to, to even entertain. Yet for some reason, I was, was not inclined to just ignore the message and move on. I was led to consider it. I mean, the, the offer was to go to the desert in July <laughs> with a group of strangers and build a house. Uh, it was the spring of 2021, seems like a long time ago, but we were still surface resurfacing from COVID. Um, leaving the country or entering it was a little bit dicey. Um, you, you had to get you know, COVID tested to re-enter. A lot of people weren't leaving the country because you weren't sure you, know, you could quickly get back in. Um, but at this point, that really just pertained to flights. 
Um, it didn't apply to driving across the border. There was no COVID testing happening um, for just driving across the border. So uh, I already uh, owned a passport. So I really had no excuse that stood up to the conviction that I had that for some reason uh, this was something that God was leading me to do. So on July 11th, I caught a flight to El Paso, uh, stayed a night in a hotel, uh, woke up the next morning and gathered with a group of strangers, loaded two onto two vans and drove across the border, uh, which is kind of easy uh, to get into Mexico. You, you wait for a green light. When the light turns green, you go. <clears throat> uh, you don't have to show a passport or anything. You just, just drive in. Um, but immediately I was in another world. Um, it was apparent that I had left the comfort of America. Uh, the roads were terrible. I'll show some pictures here in a minute. Uh, the poverty was apparent. Uh, it literally looked like a war zone. Uh, I asked the missionary somewhere along the way, are things being built or being torn down? I can't really tell which, which it is. Um, but that morning we drove, we picked up the tools, and within uh, about a half of an hour, we were at the build site uh, where we met the family that we would be building for. Uh, they were at the site. They had slept in their car, they were homeless, uh, had been waiting for a couple of years for a house. Um, I think they had squatted at some other um, uh, area uh, for a while, but you know, every night they, they had the, the fear of getting kicked out of there. Um, they had built a fire there and cooked their breakfast there on the ground uh, where we would be building. Um, we started right away, the concrete truck was scheduled to arrive at 11 o'clock. So we kind of got the ground ready and built the frames. Um, the concrete was soon poured. We started you know, cutting the wood and assembling the, the framing for the walls. By the end of the day, we had a concrete pad on the ground and we had walls that we had built that had been set, set over to the side. Um, after two more pretty quick days, we had a fully constructed stucco house with electricity. It had drywall, had a roof. Um, Along the way, I'd worked alongside people who I was growing closer to while we worked alongside the local pastor and with the very family uh, that we were building for. Um, I went on a second uh, trip just this, uh, this summer, also on short notice, um, also within about a, a month notice. Uh, the build was similar, uh, but the group of individuals was different. Um, throughout the two trips, I've worked alongside people from all walks of life, uh, dentists, attorneys, electricians, teachers, missionaries, uh, retired adults, uh, teenagers, uh, believers, and, and even what I believe would be lost people. Uh, it was amazing to see God work in everyone's life in their own unique way. God was providing a house for a family, but there was so much more going on. A local church and a pastor was pouring out love through ministry. Uh, in this most recent case, as we dedicated the house to the family, you, you could hear the pastor really pleading with the woman uh, who had three children, one had autism, the husband had walked out on her two months earlier, so it kind of seemed like the timing of the build was kind of perfect for her. Um, but you could hear in the pastors as they prayed for her and talked with her uh, that she was maybe still seeking uh, the Lord. The, the pastors are able to select who, uh, who we build for. Um, it's a mixture of people in their congregation um, and as an outreach. Um, 
but to see the to see the pastors work alongside the family uh, to pray with them um, is really great to see on my first trip I got to see a high school Spanish teacher who was just a couple of years into uh, his job actually get to really use Spanish really in a meaningful way for the first time um, the missionary turned to him and said why don't you pray for us in Spanish he's like I've never prayed uh, in Spanish before, uh, but with a little bit of encouragement, he did that, and it was so uh, so special um, to watch. Um, and on this past trip, uh, there was a gentleman that was with us whose whose language was far from pure. He was along; he had been invited by who I now consider my friend, who I've gone on two trips with, um, and you could just see even in his life as part of the build, just how God was moving and how. His language was changing, his heart was changing. I can't say that he received salvation on the trip. Maybe, you know, God moved in that way, and, and hopefully so. Um, but to hear him express how um, meaningful uh, the build was in his own life um, was great to watch. Um, so as, as God would kind of orchestrate things, the missionary that I got partnered with on the first trip and, and did the second build with as well, has since been relocated uh, out of El Paso, Texas, to another part of the country, which is actually Sharpsburg, Georgia. Uh, so that was kind of amazing that uh, what seemed like happenstance, I got connected with this guy. He now lives like over by Sam's uh, club. He's visited the church uh, a few weeks back, um, and he's uh, you know trying to expand um, you know their mission. Um, you know, but it's hard for me to look back at what just seemed like randomness, and um, I can talk with you more about all the little things that, that God put in place, and they seem like coincidence. They seem, um, you know, somewhat, you know, you could just ignore them, but um, looking back, it's just interesting to me how I see God, you know, his hand in that, weaving everything together. Um, you know, for me, for the families, and, you know, it really is a question for me is like, you know, what is God up to? And, you know, the, the goal here would be, uh, I went on this last trip, think kind of with a different mindset, like, you know, how is this something that Northside could do? Um, it's something that um, any skill level uh, can do. We had, uh, we worked really fast this time, but um, like I said, I've seen, you know, all ages and um, and genders, you know, uh, do this, and, and um, it's a, just a very meaningful uh, trip. Um, and so uh, Justin, who's the missionary, uh, at one point kind of pointed my attention to Second Peter 3, 8 and 9, and uh, the first part is very familiar, um, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. And Sometimes we like to talk about that, like, well, you know, God's outside of time. He, he measures time uh, differently. You know, we, th we think about it from an end-time standpoint, like, is it now or is it, you know, uh, in, the, in the long distance? But the next verse says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So this idea that, that God is... We may think things are slow, or we may think God's timing is, is um, not what ours would be, but ultimately he's patient with those who need to hear the gospel and, and who need to repent uh, and be saved. 
So I'm going to show a couple of pictures here real quick. Uh, that, this first picture um, is of the build team. Uh, this time, Stella is the homeowner there uh, on, the, on the right. Uh, that's uh, two of her children. Uh, one was at school, uh, and then the pastors are um, next uh, to us there. So we go to the next picture. Um, as you're driving into Juarez, uh, you look up on the hill, and there's um, uh, this mountain there where I kind of find out pastors have gone, and they've painted these rocks. And uh, it says, La Biblia es verdad, Leila. Does anybody know what, or Leila? Does anybody know what that means, Mark? The Bible is the truth. Read it. So from, from all across the, the land here, you can see what these pastors have done. And apparently they go up with some regularity and repaint the rocks. And just a great message there for the town. If you go to the next slide, uh, this is um, kind of just two pictures of, I think the one in the top left is literally the street that we built on. It was just, you know, dirt and everything. Uh, the bottom right is a picture from... The first trip I went on, the roads are paved. There's uh, potholes where you'd lose a subcompact car. Um, but uh, there's just trash everywhere. You know, every time I go, I'm like, if they could just team up and put all the trash in one place, it'd be a lot better. But it, it's, uh, you know, really poor conditions. You go to the next slide. Um, this is kind of her fence which you may notice is made out of bed springs. So it's a box spring fence. Um, where the gentleman is standing there is literally where we built the house this time. Um, so this is uh, the day that we arrived. I snapped this quick picture. If we go forward, one. Um, in the top left, uh, this is some of the framings done. We do try to involve the uh, the family as much as possible, you know, let the, let the young kids, you know, be a part of the build and swing a hammer. Um, you know, you can test your faith in God by holding a, a nail for a small child. Uh, in the bottom right, we would gather every morning and kind of talk about what we were doing. Um, and uh, this is us kind of gathering at the, at the beginning of the build, learning more about the family, more about the ministry that we were a part of. If you go ahead, I want, this is day two. The concrete slab is there. This is probably in the first 30 minutes of day two because the walls were already framed up and we're uh, just setting them in place. I go for one more. Um, in this particular build, the homeowner who doesn't have running water in her house um, and actually can't even drink the water that's there, like they have to go get bottled water because they don't really have plumbing. She offered to make us lunch. And that was a little scary, but um, this is uh, literally where I sat down uh, at her uh, outside table there with all the toys around and, and everything. And this was the lunch that she prepared. She, she fed us all three days, which, um, you know, on one hand, we wanted to like pay her back, but the missionary was like, you know, this is, this is what she wants to do. You can let her do it. So um, to say this woman was grateful um, is a great understatement. Uh, the next slide, just a quick picture of the local church. We got to stop by there and go in, which was really neat uh, to see that. A couple things to point out. Somebody had their tambourine ready uh, in the bottom right. And then Bella, I don't know if you can see it, but there's two drum sets on the front. 
So I don't know if we need to get a second drum set uh, here and, and kind of do dueling drums, but that was that was pretty cool. Uh, on the next slide, you can see the um, the dedication ceremony. When we get done with the house, we hand over the keys. We provide a Bible that that we um, that we sign. Uh, we post a placard uh, above uh, the door. So this is the uh, Stella getting the keys to her house. You, um, look at the next slide. Um, everything is bathed in prayer. So uh, we prayed outside. Uh, you can you can speak words of encouragement or speak life into the, the homeowner. In this case, we're uh, putting our hands you know physically on the walls of the house and and praying over um, over it as it provides protection and as they raise their family uh, inside. I think the next picture may be the last. There's two more. Uh, this is on the first bill. This is the homeowner and two boys that he had adopted. Um, you know, just looking over really their future uh, home there. I thought that was really sweet. And then uh, the last picture, uh, when I started the story, it said that they slept in there, you know, Susie Rodeo. This is, this is what I found as we arrived at the, the building site on that first morning. Um, and so, uh, yeah, if you're interested in, in doing a trip, there's going to be a sign-up. Um, Outside for that after the service, but if you'll allow me to pray, we'll continue our service. Dear God, just thank you for uh, this day. I thank you for uh, the opportunity that you gave me uh, twice now to uh, to join in your work, uh, dear God, to uh, to reach these families, to provide um, a meaningful, uh, tangible um, uh, support for them, and and uh, and shelter and and safety. Uh, dear God, but more importantly, uh, to team up with these local churches uh, who are ministering to these families and, um, you know, securing their eternity. Uh, dear God, we uh, pray that you'll continue to, to bless Casas Por Cristo and, um, and Justin and, and all the missionaries that are involved there. And uh, just as you would lead us uh, individually and as a church, dear God, we just uh, uh, pray that you will continue to uh, direct our paths. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
likeness as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. Lord. 
Amen. Thank you, choir. All right, at this time, we have Children's Church for our youngest age group this morning. Our kindergarten through second graders will remain in here with us. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. I believe last time we had a lunch, uh, our service went long, um, but that was okay because you didn't have to go eat lunch. You just go right here. You don't have to drive. So this morning when our service goes long and it's almost 12 o'clock, you don't have to go far. You just go right there and, and you get some lunch. So um, I want to encourage you, Acts 14, as we just hear from the Lord. So we're going to take a one-week break from... Ephesians, and then we'll pick back up next week, and then we're going to go through November and December, and then we're going to wrap up Ephesians um, over the next two months. But I had shared several months ago when Mark and I came back from our trip to Ecuador that while I was there, the Lord laid a passage of Scripture upon my heart, and it was Acts 14, and I read these verses that morning, but I didn't preach um, them. And so... These verses, and what I'm going to share this morning, this is how I want to live out my remaining days, however long that may be. This, this, this is my heart that the Lord's laid upon, upon my heart. This is kind of my, these are now my life verses for, for the rest of my days. Um, in addition to that, these are the very verses that I preached on a couple weeks ago at the WBA meeting. So if you were there, and a few of you were, you're, you're going to get the sermon again. I did change a couple things, um, making it a little more applicable to our church instead of pastors. Now, let me just give you a little heads up. That was the first time I'd ever preached to pastors. Those guys know how to interact. Like, they amen, I hear you, pastor, you go, pastor. And so you can't be quiet this morning. You're going to have to interact a little bit. So um, there's even one point, and I'll let you know, where the guy said, Lord, help him. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, and so th this, is, this is my desire. And so here's the question I want to ask this morning. What does it look like to live sent? What does it look like to live sent? Paul and Barnabas are on their first missionary journey. It begins in the 13th chapter. We read this in Acts 13, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them. And here's the word, sent them off. What does it look like to live sent? Everyone in this room, if you claim Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you have been saved and now you are sent. The mandate is to go. To go, not to stay, but to go and make disciples. So whether you are a student, a teacher, a first responder, a doctor, or as my grandmother did for years, a greeter at Walmart, you are called to live sent. So what does that look like? We'll see four things S-E-N-T, what does it look like to live sent? Would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's word? Acts 14, verses 19 through 23. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. 
When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. You may be seated. What does it look like to live sent? Well, to live sent means we will spread the gospel. We will spread the gospel. Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra, and while they are there, notice what happens according to verses 19 through 20. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. So they stone him, he's left for dead, miraculously, right? He gets up, and then what do they do? They go back into Lystra, and then on the next day, he and Barnabas go to Derby to do what? Notice verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city. They go to a new city to preach the gospel. Now, that shouldn't surprise us because in chapter 14, verse 7, it says, And there they continued to preach the gospel. And in Acts 13, we get a glimpse of one of Paul's sermons. He begins by going back to the Old Testament to when the people are in Egypt, and he quickly provides a summary of the Old Testament. And then in verse 23 of Acts 13, in the midst of his sermon, he says this, Of this man's offspring, that's David, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus as he promised. And so you and I need a Savior. We needed a Savior, and God sent a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And brothers and sisters, that's good news, amen? We needed a Savior. But then he continues preaching this sermon, and then he gets to verse 38, and he says, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him Everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Right Through Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins, and we are delivered from that which enslaves us. That's the gospel. Jesus died for sinners like you and me, that he was raised from the dead, and now we have victory. That's the gospel. And this is what Paul preaches because he knows his mandate. He knows why he was sent to preach and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, consider what happens here. Paul, after being stoned, continues to do the very thing that led him to be stoned to begin with. It was through preaching the gospel that he was stoned. And then he begins to preach the gospel again. Now, no one in this room would have blamed him. If Paul and Barnabas said, okay, listen, we got to go back to Antioch. we got to go back to our sending church. We need to regroup. No one would have blamed them if they would have said, hey, we got to go to Jerusalem. we got to go let the disciples in Jerusalem know persecution's coming. No one would have blamed them if they had gone into Lystra and said, listen, we need to lay low for a couple days. We need to let Paul heal. But that's not what they do. They go back into Lystra, and then they go to do the very same thing that led him to be stoned, and that is to preach the gospel. Why does he do that? Because Paul knows nothing or no one else will save. Nothing or no one else will save. He understands that these people need Jesus, and without him they perish for all eternity in hell apart from God. Paul has no other option but to preach the gospel. 
He has nothing else to offer them but the good news of the gospel. Listen, we live among so much noise today. Everyone has a voice, but everyone has always had a voice. But now what everyone has is a platform so that they can let their voice be heard. Whether it is Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or email or text messages or a cell phone, everyone has an opinion and everyone now has a way to express that opinion. And so you and I find ourselves in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the noise, in the midst of the craziness, in the midst of all of these opinions and all of these thoughts and all of these feelings being bombarded at us. So what will we do in the midst of that? To live sent means we continue to spread the gospel because we know our only hope is in Jesus. Our hope is not in the person who's in the White House. Anybody hear me? It's not. It's not in Republican or Democrat. Now that matters. We have an election one week from this Tuesday. If you're a citizen, you need to vote. That is your right, that is your responsibility, and it matters. But that's not our hope, so we can't offer them that. Our hope is not in the economy, though we would love for it to thrive. Our hope is not in our bank account, though we would love for that to grow. Our hope, and this is where I got the Lord help me, our hope is not in our sports team. And I said, because I'm a Kentucky Wildcats fan, and a preacher said, Lord help him. <laughs> and after last night, the Lord was the only thing that could have helped that debacle. <laughs> Though I do have a lovely sweater over there with UK on it that Miss uh, Terry gave me. Um, so I appreciate that, Miss Terry, this morning. Uh, and so our hope is not in them. Win or lose, that's not where our hope is. Our hope is not in our jobs. Our hope is not in our spouse. Our hope is not in our children. Your hope is not in me. Don't put your hope in a pastor. Your hope is in Jesus Christ. He's all that we have. Thank you all for the amen there. I appreciate that. On the side of my desk, if you were to go into my office, is a bright yellow piece of paper, and I've shared this with you all, but it's been probably a year or so. I have typed on that yellow piece of paper a quote from R.C. Sproul. It says, You are required to believe, to preach, and to teach what the Bible says is true, not what you want the Bible to say is true. Brothers and sisters, in the midst of the chaos, you are required to teach, to preach, and to believe what the Bible says is true. You stand upon that, and you lay down your life for that if that's what it takes. The disciples are with Jesus, and Jesus on one occasion says to them, as many disciples are abandoning him and leaving him, because he's teaching some hard things. And he looks at the disciples and he says, basically, hey, you guys going to go too? Are you going to leave? And Peter, the spokesman of the group, looks at him and says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where else are we going to go? Where else are we going to point them? We have nothing to offer a lost, dying world going to hell other than Jesus Christ. So listen, if you're going to live sin, you, you need to understand, you better be telling people about Jesus. We have to tell people about Jesus. Secondly, to live sent means we will encourage the disciples. We will encourage the disciples. Look at verse 21 of chapter 14. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. 
Notice what it says. They go to Derby, and there, after preaching the gospel, they make many disciples. And then, notice what they do. They could have gone on this first missionary trip as they're going back to Antioch. There was a quicker way, a more straightforward way to go back to Antioch. But what do they do? They revisit all the previous cities where they had been. Why? Because Paul wanted to follow up with these believers. He understood the need for them to be disciples. It's clear that Paul wasn't just concerned with converts or Christians in name only. He's interested in making disciples, followers of Jesus, learners of Jesus, men and women who love Jesus, wanted others to love and follow Jesus. Man, I believe this with all of my heart. Where the church is today in America in 2022 is a result of what we did in the previous 20 to 30 years. I grew up in the 90s. Some of you are around my age, and so maybe your experience is similar to this. My church that I grew up in, I love my church, Central Baptist in Winchester. They did a good job overall of discipling me. When they knew God had called me into ministry, they put people in my life to help me. But I think overall, we did a poor job of discipling people. Because what happened in so many places is we bought into this field of dreams mentality. If you build it, they will come. And so our church built this brand new thousand person sanctuary. Other churches are building these big buildings. And when we got all of these seats, what do we need in the seats? We need people in the seats. And so there became kind of this mentality of we're going to offer an invitation. And what we want is we want you to walk the aisle, say a prayer, fill out a card. We're going to baptize you in the water. And then depending upon how outgoing the congregation was, you might get a quiet clap or you might get a loud clap. And then that was it. That's what we did. That was the extent. You're saved. You're a convert. Good job. Now figure the rest out on your own. And so many of you in this room, you struggled early on because you were never properly discipled. No one came alongside you and told you, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And so look what he says in verse 22. This became his ministry, strengthening the souls of the disciples, holding them up because they were young in the faith and they needed somebody to hold them up, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue to persevere in the faith, not to walk away, but to continue in the faith. And look at this one. This wasn't preached a whole lot. And saying that through many tribulations, you must enter the kingdom of God. That's good news. You're going to enter the kingdom of God. But we don't really like the first part of that. It's through many tribulations, through much suffering, through many difficulties, you and I will enter into the kingdom of God. There is a reason the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel is so popular, but it's not biblical. And the reason it's so popular is if we're honest, who wouldn't want that? You know how much I would love if I never had to go to a hospital to see any of you again because you never got sick, no surgeries, you know how amazing it would be if we never heard the word cancer again? Like any Christian who gave their life to Jesus, they just never suffered again. That's what the health, wealth, prosperity gospel wants you to believe. The problem is it's not biblical. Consider the first missionary of Paul and Barnabas. In 13.8, they're opposed by a magician. In 13.13, John Mark leaves them. That would have hurt them. 
abandoned by one of their own. In 1345, the Jews reviled them. In 1350, men and women drove them out. In 1402, unbelieving Jews stir up the Gentiles. In 1405, they attempt to stone them. In 1412, they're misunderstood to be Zeus and Hermes. Like, that's weird. Nobody's ever thought me to be Zeus. That's what they think them to be. It's like, what is going on here? And then in 1419, Paul is stoned. Brothers and sisters, that's what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's the norm. That should be the expectation. Now, God in His grace has provided a way in America where that's not been our experience. But that has been the experience of millions their entire life following Jesus. And the reality is, that train's coming here. One day, brothers and sisters, it's going to cost you to walk in that door. Unless the Lord comes or a massive great awakening happens in America. The persecution train, if you stand for certain things and you hold certain things to be true based upon the Bible, it's going to cost some of you your jobs. Some of you are going to go to college, you're going to get a degree, and nobody will hire you because they're going to ask you, do you believe these certain things to be true? It's going to impact you. And what's the church going to look like when that comes? What's it going to look like? Because we've never been through there. But yet, this is what the Scripture teaches. It's through many tribulations we enter into the kingdom of God. Paul lived out the gospel. He was willing to die for the gospel. But we failed to make disciples. To live sent means we must repent of this. And there is no revival apart from repentance. To live sent means we have to return to our calling and our mandate, which is to go and make disciples, strengthening them, encouraging them, and letting them know the truth that following Jesus isn't easy, but it's worth it. Listen, every single one of you in this room, at some point you're going to experience tribulations, suffering, hard times. God never promised that you would avoid the valley of the shadow of death. But he did promise when you go through it, he'll be there every step of the way. That's the promise. He's with us. He's at work right now. He's at work in your life. He's at work in the world. Hurting, unbelieving, broken people need to know this. Many of you in this room, you're familiar with Experiencing God, written years ago by Henry Blackaby. This week I was reading about one of his grandsons, Daniel. Daniel, when he was a teenager, struggled with insomnia. He said his own confession, he would go days without sleeping. Days. And as a teenager, you know you need your sleep. He just couldn't sleep. He said, I felt exhausted, lonely, and confused. Didn't God love me? So one night he cried out to God in desperation, asking him to reveal himself. A couple months later, Daniel is at summer camp. He's having a a time of sharing with his youth group, and he begins to open up about his struggle with insomnia, how he has just been desperately pleading, God, just help me to sleep. As soon as he's done sharing that, right away a young man raises his hand and he speaks up. He said, listen, I want you all to understand that I struggled with serious depression. I seriously considered suicide. It was early in the morning, and I called the only person that I thought might be awake, and it was Daniel, and he answered And he talked to me, he shared with me, and I'm alive because Daniel was awake. Then a young girl spoke up. She too one night had suicidal thoughts after a bad breakup. The only person who was still active in her online AOL messenger, some of y'all remember that, in the middle of the night was Daniel. She said, had Daniel not been online that night, I I might not be alive today. In that moment, 
Daniel realized that God had been working this entire time. And then he said this, and man, this hit me. He wrote these words, I wanted better sleep. As he said, that's all I wanted. God, help me to sleep. He said, I wanted better sleep. God wanted to save lives. Listen, God is doing things that you and I don't even know about. And he wants you to be part of that. And part of what he's doing is he's making disciples. And you and I have to encourage one another. Thirdly, to live sent means we will need the body of Christ. We need the fellowship of brothers and sisters. Look at verse 23. And when they appointed elders of them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed to the Lord and they had to believe. Paul, having made disciples, having planted churches in each city, then appoints elders for every church. He recognizes that these churches need elders and pastors and overseers, and that word is used interchangeably. They need men who have been set apart by God for the work of God, to lead the people of God, to feed the people of God, to care and love the people. So what does he do? He provides leadership under the leading of the Holy Spirit in each of these churches. But to lead, you need people to lead, people to feed, people to care and love. Paul had seen these individuals get saved, come to faith in Jesus, and now he begins to disciple them. And he recognizes something that so many Christians in America fail to realize, that they needed one another. They needed the church of Jesus Christ. They need fellowship. So to live sent means we need the body of Christ. We need one another. God has graciously saved. He has sent his spirit to indwell and empower us. He has given and preserved his word. And he has given us the church. I think the language here is pretty clear. When they had appointed elders, plural, for them in every church, singular. So I preached on this as we were working through Ephesians. If you've been here for a year, you know my heart. I believe the scripture is clear. That every church should have a plurality of elders, if you don't like that word, pastors. Some on staff, they're paid, others voluntary. But a group of men, godly men, set apart the same calling, who understand they are to care for a body of people. Y'all hear my heart. For 20 years, in two small churches, I was a lone ranger. I did everything basically by myself. Now, we had an incredible volunteer team, people who would give of their time. But as far as showing up in the office, it was me. Every day, I was alone. And when I came here and got Pastor BJ and Miss Kim, a secretary who's here with us this morning, and then God leads Pastor BJ to where he's pastoring, and now we have Pastor Gary. But what a difference that has meant for me. But understand, biblically, my heart... And where, God willing, I will lead this church, if you will follow, is to a place where there is a plurality of pastors, where I am not doing this alone. Where there are godly men who are called to teach, to love, to care, who will meet with me in a room, who will hold me accountable, and who will love you as much as I love you, and we do it together. The church is healthier, it's biblical, it's what Paul does. But listen, your staff isn't what makes this church, Northside Baptist Church. You guys are having a luncheon for us today. We are thankful for that, but we're not the ones that make this church. You are. It's the people of God. 
It's the people of God who say, I'm all in at Northside, and I will give of my time. I will give of my resources. I will give of myself to make Northside the healthiest church it can be. That's reaching a lost community for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you are not all in, I'm challenging you to live sent means you're going to be all in to this church, this community. And if it's not here, that God will lead you somewhere where you can be all in. And lastly, to live sent means we will tell what God has done. I love this, verse 27. And when they arrived, they come out of Antioch, they gather the church together, they declare all that God had done with them. And how you open the door of faith to the Gentiles. They do what we do. They come back from a missionary journey and they give a report. It's what, what Brian did, it's what Mark and I did. When you go on a missionary trip, you come back and people like to ask questions. I would imagine they were like, hey, why don't you tell us about the food? I'm picking, I didn't eat much. I ate a lot because it was really plain. Tell us about the food, tell us about the culture, tell us about the people, tell us about the city. But what do Paul and Barnabas do? They immediately begin to tell them about all that God had done. They immediately begin to tell them, this is what God has done. Why? Because they are chiefly concerned with the glory of God. They are quick to give God all the glory and the credit and hear me keep none of it for themselves. Brothers and sisters, to live sin means we will be so quick to give God all the glory and to keep none for ourselves. And I was thinking about this this week. Living sin, S-E-N-T. One day, Jesus is coming for his bride. Amen. Amen. Remember, we're going to get glorified bodies. We're going to live forever and ever and ever in the new heavens and the new earth in the presence of Jesus for all eternity. And on that day, you will no longer need to spread the gospel. Because there won't be lost people who need to hear the gospel. It's just all sons and daughters of the team for all eternity. On that day, you will no longer need to encourage the saints to continue in the faith in spite of tribulation. Because there will be none. Hallelujah. No pain, no death, no sickness, no cancer, no divorce. All of that will be gone. There'll be none. And on that day, there'll be no local churches with local pastors. We'll have one church. With people from every tribe, language, and nation under our chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. But here, on that day, and for the rest of your life, you will continue to tell all that God has done. We will worship Him and praise Him forever and ever and ever. And we will declare, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. You will, you will never, never stop worshiping, worshiping. Never, never stop praying, praying. Never, never cease. Say, God, God you are worthy. You will you give him all praise in. So, brothers and sisters, give him all praise in. One of my, my favorite groups to listen to this week, Land Plain, is City of Light. They have a new album now in a couple of years. You finally have a new album now. It's called All That Dead. Let me share some of the lyrics that we can find. I can sing and I would, but. I love how you can't begin a song better than this. It says, I believe in Christ, risen from the dead. I believe in Christ, risen from the dead. That is our hope. That is what we cling to, brothers and sisters, that Jesus is alive. He now reigns victorious. His kingdom knows no end. Through his resurrection, death has lost its hope. 
I know on that final day, I'll rise as Jesus rose. And then here's the voice. On that day, we will see you shining brighter than the sun. On that day, we will know you as we lift our voices one. Till that day, we will praise you for your never-ending grace. And we will keep on singing on that glorious day. So brothers and sisters, who are sin, spread the gospel, encourage, strengthen the disciples, recognize you need the fellowship of the brothers and sisters in Christ, and live out your days telling of what God has done. For He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. Let's pray. Father, right now, from the depths of our hearts, we just want to cry out to you. Lord, we're about to sing 10,000 reasons. We have 10,000 reasons plus, plus many, many more reasons to praise you. God, for you are better. Better than America, better than our government, better than our bank accounts, better than our sports teams, better than our marriage, even better than this church that we love dearly, you are better. Better than our marriages, you're better than our children. Lord, you're better, and you are worthy of our praise, worthy of giving our very life. Lord, this world needs Jesus. Jesus, you are the only one who can save, the only one who can transform. And God, you've done that for us. You've saved us, and now, God, you've sent us, and we are to live sent. So thank you for that. Lord, help us to live sent. But God, I cannot assume that everyone in this room has been saved. That they have given their life to Jesus. So right now, Spirit of God, I pray that you would convict them, that you would lead them to repentance and to faith and belief in you, Jesus, so they would just cry out, Lord, save me, a sinner. God, you save us by your grace. You've called us by your grace. And you send us by your grace and through the power of the Spirit. So convict us and lead us to be the men and women you have saved and set us apart to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing 10,000 Reasons together. I'm at the front. If you need to come, you make that decision right now. Let's... Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship Your holy Oh, my soul, oh, my 
Folks, I want to present to you this morning, Farley, you ready? Come on up here with me, Farley. So this is, come stand in front of me, stand in front of me. This is uh, Mr. Farley Thompson. This is dad over here. Mom's sitting over there with the, with the camera out. So last Sunday night, Farley came to me um, on his own and said, hey, I want to follow Jesus in baptism. And earlier in that day, last Sunday, he had brought that up with, with mom and dad, and they began to talk and began to Talk to him about the gospel and making sure, I don't know if everybody can see, let's do this. There he is. Um, uh, just asking questions about that, and so they began to talk to him, and so he and I met in the fellowship hall last Sunday night, and one thing that I really try to do with kids, two things, one, I always defer to parents. Parents know their child better than I do, but secondly, I never lead 
a kid just so we can say, hey, he made a profession of faith. I saw that growing up, and I've always said I'm not going to do that. So I just asked him questions, and he knew. Are you a sinner? Yes. Give me some examples of sin. And man, he just began to tell me some and asked, you know, who is Jesus? And he began to answer, and why do you need to be saved? And so he, he knew. And so he, Farley has asked Jesus to come into his heart, and he desires to follow him in baptism. And so if you are excited for Farley's decision, will you just let him know that? Amen. Clap. So in two weeks, it's going to be a special day. Farley's going to be baptized, and then his mama, Miss Ashley, is going to share her testimony uh, that morning as well. And so we are excited about Farley's decision. See all these people, man? They love you, and they are going to disciple you and help you to follow Jesus. All right? You want to go sit down now? Yeah. Dad's like, let's go. Man, we're excited for you all. All right. One other. Miss Debbie. This is Debbie Andrews. Miss Debbie is coming to join with us by letter from... Arnco Baptist. So some of you know Debbie. She was a member here um, many years ago, eight years ago, nine years ago, somewhere around there, I believe. And all right, and thirteen. And then the Lord led her to Arnco, um, and she began to uh, to serve Him there, and was was part of the church there. And just through some conversations with some of you, um, she was interested, and so she came back and visited with us, and been here now almost two months, I think, a month and a half, and sat in with the new members class this morning and so she is coming to move her membership here at Northside and be part of what God is doing here. So if you will rejoice in her decision, will you let her know? Amen. 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 All right, you can be seated. So look, I know I know lunch is out there. You're going to be hungry. Man, we did the new members class so we could just smell it the entire time. Uh, but at some point while you're hanging out, just make sure you come, stop by, see Miss Debbie, stop by and see Farley, and just let them know that you are excited for them, thankful for what the Lord is doing in their life, and that you're going to be there to encourage them and pray for them and help them in their walk with Jesus. Let me encourage you, because it is almost 12 o'clock as it is, read the bulletin. I'll save you from making the announcements. Look at the bulletin. Come back tonight, rain or shine, hang out for the fall festival. It's going to be a lot of fun. Ron and Michael is going to close us with a word of prayer. And you going to give some instructions if need be? All right. Peter 5, it says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares uh, in the glory about to be revealed, shepherding God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, out of compulsion but willingly as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording over those entrusted to you, but examining, excuse me, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Y'all, we have some amazing pastors here. Uh, today being the last day of Pastor Appreciation Month, just wanted to take an opportunity to just share our thanks for you men, the amazing job that you do, uh, we do have, a, like Pastor Aaron said, a fellowship after this. Just want to encourage you to take a moment to thank them, share that appreciation with them uh, as they are faithful to this word here. And one other thing, as uh, it is a special day outside of it being the last Sunday of Pastor Appreciation Month, it is one of these men's birthday today. So.
All right, now that we've thoroughly embarrassed him. <laughs> Not it. <laughs> but just a couple of brief uh, words of instruction. They are going to have uh, food being served on both lines, uh, both sides of the line next door. Uh, there will be uh, seating available in the fellowship hall, then the Sunday school classrooms next door, the youth room. So find an open seat. If it's an open seat, you can sit there. Um, then pastors, staff, and families, y'all please go first. Go ahead and get seated and give us a chance to love on you guys. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for just an amazing day today in your house, Lord. Lord, thank you for uh, the faithfulness of our pastors, Lord, to serve you, to serve you well, to uh, faithfully speak your words to us, Lord. Lord, help us to uh, be a people sent, that we would be faithfully uh, sharing your word with others, that we will be going across the street and around the world to show others your love, Lord. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this meal that you provided. As you do, bless it to our bodies and us to your service. In Jesus' name, amen.